Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And if you cannot remember all that, we have three transformative words. What are they, family? Live, love, serve. I want to thank those of you who are wearing your FCBC uh, anniversary shirts. Don't feel bad if you don't have one. Let me see who has their shirt on today. Okay, look at y'all. Well, let, who has some kind of FCBC shirt on today? Let me see. Yeah. All right, don't feel bad. That means for the rest of y'all, we got a whole lot outside. Uh, <laughs> So you can catch up. Okay, choir? Yeah, we got to get a whole lot of y'all. All right, we're going to get some. I'm, I'm going to chime in, make sure y'all get some shirts. But no, y'all look great today. And let's thank God for our choir today. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. Y'all were singing that last sermonic selection. We was in the back, and I was ready to go in. Those words. See, people miss sometimes, especially in this culture, we so overwhelmed by beats and tracks words man and, and, and words and lyrics but these that come from the scripture I mean oh okay let me start I felt that but yeah we thank God so let's turn to the gospel of Luke the fourth chapter and then for the uh, new choir members I don't know if you saw in that video the old choir stand that was back here FCBC used to look like a real Baptist church back in the day. Had the, the choir stand up in here and all kind of stuff. Man, I was back. Who was, who was here when we had that? Yeah, look at it. Y'all remember them days? We, Lord Jesus. We were really a church. <laughs> oh, man. Luke 4, 1 through 4. And it reads like this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you and we bless your name on today and we honor you, O oh God, for how you've been moving in this space already. Sometimes we don't always say it, O oh God, but thank you for giving us a place to worship. Thank you, O oh God, for which you began 87 years ago with this place with FCBC God thank you that for 87 years you've been keeping us sustaining us guiding us directing us most of all oh God showing us the possibilities that abound for us and so now oh God we ask that you would allow your word to do its own work 
and we'll be faithful, O oh God, to that call. God, we love you. We thank you. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Good, remain standing. Let me read that again. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. I did that on purpose. Howard Thurman, I won't say that, but Howard Thurman in his book, The Temptations of Jesus, said that sometimes there must have been a span, he says, a desert and a sea between that word bread and alone. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand, clap of praise, and you take your seat. If you're able to stick around today, many of you do stick around for both services. If you're able, go get something to eat for breakfast real quick and come on back. But we have a special journey. It's not our traditional journey. We're interviewing two of our members. Um, one thing I believe in and that has to happen in this moment is that there's such generational division and we have to be intentional about bridging the generational divide. We are blessed in this church to have such a diversity, generational diversity of, of boomers and Gen Xers, that's me, and millennials and, and Generation Z. And, and we do it together so um, fluidly and effortlessly. But we have to make sure that we are intentional this year. And we will do this to really have those intergenerational conversations so that we won't have intergenerational clashes. Um, it doesn't happen here, but it happens in a lot of places. And sometimes we, you know, some of our, our older, uh, more senior members, we look at the younger ones. We think they don't know anything. And, and then the younger ones look at the older ones and say, well, I think they know more. I mean, I was at Duke University this week and had a meeting with the president of the university. And he says, he said, you know, when freshmen come here, they think they know everything. I thought about myself as a freshman. I sure did think I knew everything. But it took, it took me as a young man growing up having conversations. I was always had deep relationships with older uh, gentlemen, my grandfather, my godfather, my uncles, and they were able to pour into me. And that helped me in many ways. And we have to continue to do that. And the pouring goes both ways. Both ways. If you don't think so, some of our seen me too. There time my son to tell you, there were times when I had to get things in the house put together or some uh, electronic something. I'm like, Trey, fix this. Or Trey, put this together. And he'd be like, you can't do it. I said, why do you think I had you? I've had you to not to have to do that. And he tried to make me feel little. Like he's saying now, you just unplug this, dad, and plug that in. I'm like, well, you do it better. But uh, we thank God. Listen. This scene of, of Jesus' first temptation is really about two things to me, um, timing and identity. Timing. All the Gospels, except John, the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke record this scene in all in varying ways that, uh, of Jesus' temptation. But the temptation of Jesus comes after the baptism of Jesus. 
where Jesus's identity in some ways has been solidified in this gospel and other gospels when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist it says that the heavens opened up and that he heard God say you are my son and whom I am well pleased in other gospels it was the people who heard God this is my son and whom I am well pleased so in some ways, Jesus' identity gets confirmation by God that in, no matter how it is shaped either to Jesus or to those around, that baptism becomes an identifying marker in Jesus' life that almost solidifies his place, his position, and his identity. He is God's son. But Jesus' sonship is really the same as our divine connection to God, for we are children of God. We are sons, we are daughters of the Most High God. That is important to know, especially when we face the challenges that assault us sometimes daily, remembering and being mindful of your divine connection to God, who you are. And that connection is not based on the faith you proclaim, but on who you are as a creation of God. And so his identity is confirmed. And then Luke says that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit at that moment. In the moment of baptism, the Spirit, it says, descends upon Jesus like a dove. And the Spirit of God consumes him, overtakes him. And Luke says he is full of the Holy Spirit. Luke's version is a little bit more tame. The other Gospels say that Jesus was driven by the Spirit. Here Luke says he was led. He is consumed. He's full and then he's led by the spirit to be tempted by Satan the adversary for 40 days and 40 nights what is powerful is the connection between Jesus and the story of Israel throughout Israel's experience you hear this idea of wilderness wanderings Israel wandering in the wilderness, the desert, for 40 years. Moses uh, being with God for 40 days on the mountain and 40 nights. Elijah being with God for 40 days and 40 nights fasting. And now Jesus is in the line of the Old Testament prophets and leaders who had their time of intimate connection with God. But that intimate connection with God was not devoid of challenge. Because no matter how connected you are to God, do not believe that somehow your God connection, your divine orientation makes you immune from the challenges of life. There are so many people who use their faith as a force field, thinking that somehow if I believe in God and I believe in Jesus and I follow the teachings and honor God, and somehow trouble won't come my way that things won't happen. And some of us enter the faith with that kind of belief. We enter believing. We come to God believing. And I've had numerous people over the years come to me, Pastor, I've been, I've been reading the Bible. I've been, I've been coming to church more. And I've been coming to service consistently. And, and I've been serving in ministry. And I don't understand why things still are happening. I have to remind them, I hope you didn't do these things in order to make the relationship with God transactional. So that God, if I do this, you do that, like quid pro quo. <laughs> 
That's not the way we enter this relationship with God. Who you are and what you do is because of your deep yearning and deep thirsting and deep desire to grow stronger in your relationship and connection to God. Not to get anything primarily tangibly, but to get growth to be stronger and wiser and better. Jesus, the timing, identity given, temptation comes. And look at the nature of this first temptation of Jesus. 40 days and 40 nights. He has not been with food. No food. Hungry. And in that very moment, at the height of his hunger, the enemy comes with a temptation. That really hinges on the first line of the enemy. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the son of God, if you are. Now, I already told you this temptation is really about timing and identity. Jesus has just gotten confirmation from God. You are my son. In whom I am well pleased. On the heels of confirmation of identity, the enemy comes. If you are the son of God. Just imagine if after divine confirmation, Jesus was not convinced. Just imagine how this story would have looked if he were not convinced about who he was. I'm going to say it one more time. Just imagine how different this story would have read and been had Jesus not been convinced about who he was. Just imagine how different your stories have been in those times where you were not convinced of who you are. That's why understanding fundamentally your connection to God and your divine uh, partnership with God as a child of God is important. Not in a kind of way that reinforces some notion of religiosity, but in a way that reinforces your own humanity and your own connection and your own believing. How many times along your journey you were not solid about who you were? And you allowed who you were to be shaped by other people. And the danger of allowing who you are to be shaped by other people is not that other people do not influence you, but there's a danger to allow other people to shape who you are, especially when those people are not clear about their own identity to begin with. And how many times we miss our opportunities to walk in the fullness of our identity because we weren't convinced about who we really were. Really, this is what this temptation is about today. It's really about identity and clarity. How you live your life being convinced and convicted about who you are. For some of us, it takes some time to find out what we are to do. But there's a difference between doing and being. Oftentimes, what you do is an overflow, a manifestation of your identity. And the danger is that sometimes what you do reflects who you are. You have to ask yourself, are all my actions a reflection of who I really am? The things that I do in my life reflect who I claim to be. And here it is. You find yourself being misguided in your application when you're misguided in your identity. 
If there's a lack of clarity about who you are, then you can imagine how sometimes you start doing things to find yourself instead of understanding who you are before you engage in some spaces. And here it is. The journey of life is about discovery. It is about journeying. It is about coming to a place where you come to a point where you understand deeper and in more intentional ways who you really are. And it doesn't mean that you don't spend time groping. You don't come out of the womb saying, this is really who I am. But in some ways you do. You come out of the womb and you are of God. That's the primary identity. I hope you get this. From the time you were shaped and come forth, you are of God. Not, and again, some way that reinforces some sometimes dysfunctional notions of religiosity shaped by doctrine, creeds, and these notions of what it means to be a person of religion. I'm not speaking of that. But from the time you enter this world, you are of God. You are made of the same image, the same likeness, the same substance. You are fearfully, wonderfully made from Psalm 139 in the image of God. You belong to God. You are God's daughter. You are God's son. And your journey then begins in your evolution of discovering the many nuances of your identity, but your primary identity is understanding that you belong to God. I need you to get that today. I'm not speaking of purpose. I'm not speaking of growth. I'm not speaking of the discovering the nuances and stages of your development. I'm speaking about who you are at your very core. And at your very core, you belong to God. Not in some way that then uh, brings up notions of control or coercion or manipulation, but in ways that give birth to freedom and discovery and journeying and creativity. Freedom, the one thing we're afraid of sometimes, and we become so fearful of the freedom that is inherent in our relationship and our identity with God that we then look for constraints and we look for restrictions and we look for rules and we look for rituals to try to shape us and guide us. But the truth is, we're so afraid of our freedom, we'd rather be controlled and unleashed and to me that's the greatest fear is the fear of being free the fear of being free it was a, who I call now a prophet Nina Simone Sing her song, what it means to be free. She said, because if you're not free, you're murderers. That if you're not free and walking your freedom, you're committing death every day by limiting your possibilities of who you are. You were born free. Why? Because you're a son or daughter of the most high God. And there'll be times along your journey where moments will come to challenge that, to test that, to see if at the core of your being there's clarity. Oh. If at the core of, who, core of who you are, there's clarity about who you are. Again, it doesn't mean that you figured it all out. That because there are those of us who are 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 and 80, and we never figure it all out. But at the core of your being, foundational to who you are, are you clear about your divine connection? We all express it differently. We all live it differently. But we're all connected through our own divinity that is connected to God. And if you're clear about that, then it serves as the foundation of who you are. 
Because if you are not clear about that foundational sense of clarity about your divine connection, people can cause you to turn stones to bread. If you are the son of God, that's the temptation. It's that one word, if. If you are strong like you say you are, if you are wise like you say you are, if you are God's child, then prove it. Show it. There's so many people whose curiosity leads to your missteps. Show it. If you are. And what does your life look like when you're constantly trying to prove yourself? Even now as you hear those words, think back in your own journey, those times, those times of faltering and stumbling because you were busy proving. And proving manifests itself in several ways. Proving, trying to be impressive. Proving, trying to be well-liked. Proving, trying to be accepted. Proving, wanting to be validated by people you've deemed validators because they have a position you desire. Proving. How many times have you lost your way trying to prove yourself? It is the constant temptation that hovers over us daily. The temptation to prove. Because the temptation to prove can lead to actions that destroy. The temptation to prove sometimes creates a desire within you to always constantly trying to communicate who you are to people, constantly trying to communicate and reinforce who you are, constantly trying to communicate and to convince other people, constantly trying to communicate and convince other people about who you are, constantly trying to communicate, constantly trying to communicate, trying to find nuanced ways to communicate to people who you really are. In that same moment when you find yourself trying to prove and communicate, you actually lose a little bit of who you are because when you're clear about who you are, you don't feel the need to prove who you are and when you don't feel the need to prove who you are you find that you talk less you do less you are at ease and comfort with who you really are you know how to be still in your own space in your own being without having to step out of that space and being to prove yourself to anybody there's some words that no longer hit marks in your spirit anymore there are buttons that are no longer capable of being pushed anymore because you're clear about who you are you learn to walk with a quiet calm confidence because you don't feel the desire to capitulate to the expectations of people who want you to show who you you are you don't answer everybody's call you don't respond to everybody's gestures because you're calm and you're cool and you're collected and you're clear about who you are it doesn't mean you figured it out but you know who you are at the end of the day I belong to God and God is in me and God flows through me I am a child of God I'm a son of God I'm a daughter of God and my clarity about that is the foundation for everything else I will do and you know that is key. Because there will always be somebody wanting you to perform to prove. Oh, God. Wanting you to demonstrate who you are. And it comes in moments of weakness. 40 days with no food. 
if he had said, make it rain. Different. But he said, turn the stone into bread. And I'm sure at some point in those 40 days, those stones might have looked like bread. Being at the point of hunger, and some of us who do partial fast and we get hungry. 40 days absolute fast, everything start looking like a snack. During the season of Lent, I said to myself, because I got a sweet tooth, I was like, no chocolate, no candy, no junk food. On Ash, on the day after Ash Wednesday, I'm out of town and I go in my book bag. I don't know when it was put there. I don't know, remember even putting it in my bag. And in the bottom of my bag was a milk chocolate and almond Godiva bar. It seemed as if I was standing over that bag for an hour. And I kept looking at it. And the more I looked at it, my mouth started watering. But then I remember something I heard a long time ago. Integrity is who you are when no one is looking. When no one is around. Once I declared to the atmosphere my intention for Lent, all of a sudden, temptation showed up. That's often how it works. It's the moment where the proving, the testing, and also the clarity is required. That's when it happens. If you are the son of God, I know you're hungry. God, God won't be upset. You have a little something to eat. And what does Jesus do? And I'll end with this. He doesn't pray. The people who will say, well, you know, if you feel tempted, you need to talk to the Lord. This is not the anti-prayer sermon. I'm looking at the word. He doesn't pray. But something in him, and we'll talk about this throughout the entire series and even throughout Jesus' entire life, something in him, I alluded to it, I think, last week, something in him did not forget. Sometimes the greatest weapon you have at moments of temptation is your memory. I'm going to tell you what that means. The gift of memory and remembrance. I've been watching a show on Amazon Prime called The Hunters with Al Pacino. And one of the things, and he plays a man who is of Jewish descent, and he said, one of the gifts that we offer the world is our ability to remember. Why? Jesus is there after fasting. I'm sure hungry. The temptation comes, turns stones to bread. 
And somewhere along the line, he remembered listening in the synagogue when the priest was reading the scripture, the story of Israel. And something in his mind went to the scroll of Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, the third verse, the third verse. When the people are being reminded of their journey out of Egypt and how when they were in the wilderness hungry, God provided manna, bread. And even as Moses recounts the story of the narrative, it says in that passage, and although God provided that bread from heaven, that manna from heaven, that we do not live by bread alone. That means the thing that undergirded Jesus is his recollection of the word he had heard because his response to the enemy ain't random. It's intentional. I know you want me to prove myself and do that which is actually easy to do, but I'm reminded in this moment that my living, my sustenance, my ability to move forward is not shaped by bread alone. What good is it to have everything but lose your soul? What good is it to have the tangible manifestations of some material prosperity but be spiritually depleted? You need bread. You need a place to live. You need clothing, but not alone. There are deeper things that are required of you. And that is the offspring of your connection and relationship to God. There is deeper. Thurman put it best. He said, it is a sacred conversation when the deep of God calls to the deep that is within you. And it is deep calling unto deep. It is cosmic conversation rooted in invisible vulnerabilities. The depth of God speaking to the depth of you to help you see there is more to you than what you even see right now. Don't feel the need to prove yourself. Be clear about who you are. You, with all your issues and all your struggles and all your baggage and yes, all the mess we got, still child of God still son daughter of God and knowing that is foundational as you take this journey of life because you don't feel the need to prove yourself I gain a sweet peace every day in knowing this that God knows my name I mean, know that today. In fact, just tell yourself, God knows my name. God knows my name. And like my grandmother would say, and oh, how he walks with me. Hey. And oh, how he talks with me. And oh, God, how you tell me I belong to you. Are there any believers in here today who know Tell somebody I'm clear about who I am. I belong to God. I'm God's child. And God knows my name.
Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.